Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm going to run through them real quick. You've got the Rogaroo, which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you got to find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogaroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors. It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning to coon hunting at night to working on plumbing in the house changing tires on the side of the road my truck doesn't leave the driveway without a cajun light in it and that light is the micro gator every cajun light is durable made from the highest quality components and it is backed by cajun's top rated customer service check out cajun lights you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com go to our sponsors page hit that link it'll take you right to cajun lights check them out they got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights. You know, we all have that one special dog hanging out on the porch. He's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. All these things you like coming together to make one superb dog. That was exactly what we had in mind when we made this show. Welcome to All Mixed Up. It is a horrible 111 day right now, Chad. Wow. Horrible. 111? I I wouldn't want to know what to do, what to do with that. I clock I in. And, it's windy, but it's not yeah. very hot. Well, I hate the wind too, but I think I'll take the wind over this. I clocked in early this morning. That's why I got late to the podcast today because that heat just 
made me move slow. And <laughs> I was trying, I was racing all morning to try to beat the heat. And then I realized there was no way I was going to finish before it got horrible. And uh, it was 111 outside the sand in the place I was working, which is like dune land. The sand was 139. And I was wow. So the heat's coming camper. up off the ground even more than it's coming down from the top. Huh? The air, the wind, the breeze feels like you're in an oven. And when people are like, but it's a dry heat, I get it, but you you got to experience 111 before you think, even if it's a dry heat, it doesn't matter. I wear a 28 inch sombrero and even still, it was just horrible, man. Horrible. <laughs> I hate the summer here. Right. Right. I've always had some thoughts about the dry heat, wet heat thing, you know, like, cause you know, I grew up in Florida and then lived for a long time in Louisiana and Texas and the Northeast and everything where humidity is crazy, you know, like Northeast Louisiana, one of the most hot and equally humid places to, that I've ever been. And uh, what I've always thought was it was absolutely miserable in the heat, but as soon as you cooled off, you were fine, you know, whereas like the dry heat, I'm doing air quotes here, was uh, like a little like not quite as horrible actively in it, but heck there was a day I dug a bunch of post holes and I I, I was hung over <laughs> for like yeah. two days. Yeah. I felt like I was back in the army, you know, like <laughs> uh, partying it up. I've, 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 I've never been hung over like that. And I'd never, I didn't even touch a beer. Not one didn't even look at nothing. It was just digging post holes. I couldn't drink enough water. And then I flushed all my electrolytes out. It, it was a nightmare. So you that, sweat and it just dries off you instantaneously. Like yeah. I was dry as a bone. There was no sweat on my body except maybe under my armpits. Mm -hmm. And I was just chugging my water like all day. And I'm man. Yeah. Every we had some we had the reason one of the reasons it took so long is we had some new students from the Midwest with us since their first time in the desert. And uh, how many died? one of the <laughs> I know. Right. Seriously, <laughs> One of them. One of them. He was like, man, I just the desert is so lifeless. And I was like, man, if you go out at night, there's animals everywhere. Like you mm -hmm. see all these like thousands of footprints in the sand. Where do you think those came from? Yeah. And there's one animal that comes out during the day, the spotted ground squirrel. And its main defense is to come out in the middle of the day when it's like a thousand degrees outside because there is nothing else active at that time. <laughs> and I'm like, what a survival strategy. They're yeah. like a five inch long squirrel that comes out when the ground is 130 degrees and you're like running around <laughs> anyway. Yeah, man, they're a, they're a badass little animal. And I envy that. <laughs> that's clever. That's I'm clever. Anything that's going to chase me is going to stroke out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's their whole plan. I look up, not a hawk, not an animal, nowhere to be seen except them running around. So anyway, there's your weird animal lesson of the day from the desert. <laughs> yep. Yep. We got a we got a diverse show today, buddy. We're gonna we're gonna bring it back to our um to our segment roots, I guess would be the word. Um, so we got a couple of good segments coming up today for all mixed up, and uh, I'm also gonna bring up my trip to Canada, buddy. Can you believe it's already been almost a month? Time flies. What since you've gone? Yeah, it's, I really? got back on. Oh wait. No, it's only been three weeks. <laughs> well, that's almost that's, a month. Yeah, that's two, almost two a and a half yeah. weeks. Yeah. 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 Right. Time. Ah, whatever. Yeah. It, it does things. <laughs> it does things that time. Yeah. I, um, well, yeah. Look how ugly you've gotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been rough, man. It's been rough. I'm cooked. <laughs> I'm cooked. We got some, uh, we got some segments coming up. You guys, we're going to review some gear. 
me and Chad, uh, we're gonna we're gonna review some gear that we can. We put a lot of uh, miles on some gear, and we're gonna we're gonna review some stuff coming up. Uh, we're also gonna bring up our new segment, you guys. You guys remember some of our old segments from all mixed up in the beginning? We're gonna bring up a new segment called Keeper Call. We're gonna give you scenarios, and you're gonna decide: would you keep it or would you call it? And then we're <laughs> gonna talk about my trip to Canada. So I say, Chad, let's just roll right into it. Let's review some gear, buddy. All right, for this month. I'm going to review some gear that we all use, that we all live by, yeah, but we never die by. Boots, Chad. <laughs> boots. Yeah. yeah that, right. It's almost like dog food, man. You could, there's a million different directions to go with them things. I, I live in boots and I have had many different opinions on boots as time has progressed and my body has changed and the way I used boots has changed why don't mm -hmm. you start us off what do you wear now mm -hmm. why and review some give me some good reviews on the boots that you love right now because i want to break it down i'm going to review snake boots in particular all right but tell me what you're wearing well right now i'm kind of i'm kind of in between I've, I've 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 crested my arc in the pair of boots that i've wear and i'm actually starting to sniff around for something new but I still got a pretty good review on that. I, I hunt with a lot of buddies that are like diehard upland hunters and houndsmen. And they, you know, they don't have an off season and, and they live in these things. It's what they wear every day. And I, a lot of them will, will recommend the high dollar crispies or Danners or, you know, all these, and, and they will consume them. They, they go through them. They, they say that's just part of it. You know, like these things are light, they're lightweight, they have good grip. You know, and either desert boots or the ones that are waterproof. And, and, you know, so those are kind of the way I'm sniffing towards. But as of right now, something I hear everybody say that they have a there's a type of boot that never lasts. There's no boots that'll last. And that's wrong. I mean, I wear a pair of the traditional Red Wings, like the old school Red Wings that you could actually have serviced. You know, so like when your soul starts to wear off, you send them back to Red Wing or drop it off at a store or wherever, you know, and they'll actually cut your soul off, glue a new one on there, huh. replace your stitches um, take your grommets out and your little ties and they do all that for like a hundred bucks and you get basically a brand wow. new boot, you know? Yeah. I, I dig it. You know? And I, what I do, I used to work for pipeline back in the day and they give us an allowance for boots and I get a new pair every year, whether I needed them or not. And it got to the point where I had like five or six pairs of boots and every year I would take a pair and I'd mail them off to get resold. And I just keep doing those, you know? And so the idea of a boot not lasting forever is silly if you get the ones that are just glued together. You know, those may be incredible. They're far lighter than mine, and I can go into what makes them better all, you know, all day. But if you just simply say, I hate having to buy a new pair, you can get them resold if you get a traditional style leather boot, you know? And like I said, the Red Wings are the ones I worked with. Steel toes. I like to be able to kick stuff, you know? <laughs> uh, and never have to worry about my toes. And that's something that's gotten gotten the hang of me, because I have become so accustomed to having steel toe on my boots. <laughs> yeah. and, and they've been getting heavy, and like I've been doing a lot of office work here recently inside the house, so I just have like these <laughs> almost like, <laughs> like little pull-on house dad shoes that I like shuffle around the house, and it's it's very emasculating but they're they're simple they work <laughs> anyway so i had to run out and 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 kick at and some kick things some stuff. <laughs> yeah kick some stuff you know and uh I, my toes broke 
my big toe's broken. The one right next to it, purple broke. What my are three you weeks kidding? are still purple, you know, and, <laughs> and it's it's still right now. I, I mean, if I could get my foot up here in front of the game, the camera, you'd be able to see it. It's I'm it's good. purple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like that's something I'm not used to with the lighter boots, you know. And up on the Chucker Hills, when a rock falls down, if it rolls across my toe, I don't even feel it. And I got a, you know, I got a buddy, uh, I got a buddy uh, that that had that happen, and he's got some bursitis in his foot now. You know, whoa. Um, and you know, so he's trying to have that heel. So I don't know. There's no perfect answer in my opinion. Um, but if I wanted for like a, a lightweight do good boat, you know, I'd probably go with the crispies personally. And that's probably the direction I'm gonna go into. They are not cheap, however. Um, but for the past, oh gosh, uh 15 years or so of my life, I've been in uh a varying degree of worn out red wings, you know, uh the <laughs> traditional steel toe waterproof, you know, everything type boot and just just resold them like every year or every other year. Yeah. Describe the average climate that you're using those red wings in the most. Cause that matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of snow and ice up here where I am now, like where I live now, it, it kind of peaks out at about 90 degrees, um, in the summer, um, with a, with a cool breeze. And so that's kind of nice. Um, unless the, the wind blows like 40 and then 50 even, and then, then it kind of gets obnoxious, but in the winter, <laughs> um, uh, from zero to 10, pretty much you know it's like what our winter is you know um and you wear those red wings year round oh yeah year round when the snows come i oil them down they they become waterproof um and they become more pliable it's really nice and in, in the uh in the summer sometimes i i may choose not to do that just so they breathe a little better you'll get some more mm. cracks in the leather that way uh, i know yeah. red wing or some others came out with this like breathable paste you can smear on there that's supposed to be the same as like an oil um, that that allows for the boot to breathe better, you know, and I, I've experimented with that some more. And it is better than the oil, but it doesn't make the leather as supple. Um, but that's the climate. Now, if I come off my hill a little bit, it's in the hundreds, you know. Um, and if I go visit some some of my buddies down in New Mexico or Arizona or over in Texas, you know, they, they do pretty good there. But the waterproofing does get hot. The, mm-hmm. the waterproofing does get hot, but I hate having wet feet. I'd rather like lose a finger rather than deal with wet feet, you know, like stomping <laughs> through a puddle or something. Uh, so I'll, I'll deal with the, the, the temperature of the waterproofing just to prevent from having, you know, wet, wet soles. But the problem with my boots is they are heavy. One of my boots, one of my red wing boots probably weigh what two crispies weigh, you know, and Chad, Chad's just working on his calves and glutes for his wife. <laughs> well, they are outstanding. I'm glad you noticed, you know, uh, uh no, no, but but it, it can have an effect on your knees, though. Uh, I'm not yeah, gonna lie, yeah. you know, like uh, the the 45 degree chuckler hills or running up during spring bear season, up or down, they get heavy. They they yeah. do get heavy, you know. And when I came out here, I was a goofball. I, I was trying pull ons, you know. I was a mm. back back in Louisiana and everything. I like I like I like waterproof pull ons, you know. But like after like almost rolling my ankle on running yeah. on slick rock, like a you. Yeah, they got to be lace up. I, I moved yep. into the lace ups, or I mean, or just heck, flip flops would be better than the. Hey, the yeah, man, I live in sandals, you know? bro. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I there's, there, you know, I, I wouldn't choose that, but honestly, at this point, I think I'd probably roll or break my ankle more 
in a pair of pull-on boots over like a set of flip-flops you know nobody wears pull-ons except for cowboy boots and no one hunts or hikes in cowboy boots around here you know what i mean out of my hills you know um free sand or anything of high high um like angle no way. Mm-hmm. Pull-ons are not going to be good. What was getting me, it was going up and down. It was like side-hilling, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I just rolled. I was like walking on the sidewalls. Like the treads were going uphill. And I literally, the soles of my feet were on the side. Yeah, exactly. Like, of my exactly. Boot. You know, I was like, this is going to kill me, you know? And, yeah. and then I found the lace-ups and, and moved on from there. But yeah, that's my main thing I guess I'm trying to get away from is, is if you just really want an all-around you know, and that's what I used to say. My wife would make fun of me. They're like, oh, you, they're heavy. Why? I was like, what if I have to man, baby? What if I have to drop kick a Sasquatch or something, man? Like, <laughs> What I'm if prepared. I have to man? <laughs> what if I have to man, you know? And, and that's no plug at the ladies, man. You know, like, that was just me joking around, you know? But Girls, they, it'll work on your calves and glutes. So wear go. heavy boots. There you go. There you go. High heels. You want to be like man, Chad? Take a pick. <laughs> yeah you want to you know? be like chad <laughs> yeah but but my main but my main takeaway was if you wanted a boot just all around it's waterproof it's durable it's got the steel toes so you could kick the heck out of a sasquatch should you need to you know <laughs> you're you're ready to go and the, and they'll last forever if they start to wear out just get them resold you know and and sooner rather than later is better on that because they just like literally cut the sole off the bottom and glue a brand new tread on there and then pop out all the grommets and restitch any blowouts. And that's the other thing. Well, it ripped the stitches. So what? That's the bonus of leather, man. You cut it out and restitch it. They do it again. Yep. They've stitched yep. mine like 10, 12 times. I had one pair. It's like, gosh, I think they were like nine years old, you know, like that's, that's incredible, you know? Yeah. So that is badass. that's an option. The, the con of those boots is they are heavy. Oh my gosh. I think we put them on the scale one time and they were heavier than two of my buddy's boot, left and right boot, plus my second buddy's right boot. We put three boots and they were, they were as heavy as one of mine. So, <laughs> so there's that, you know? So, yeah. so that's what well, there you like. go. The, the, the red wing classic, man, I need to check them out. I have never actually worn a pair of red wings. I'm going to, I'm going to break down the, the snake boot for everybody. First of all, look, People get weird about snake boots. Everyone assumes if you're wearing snake boots that you're some kind of like anti-snake scared weenie or whatever. You're just like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, pluses or minus to a snake boot, period. First of all, the reason I enjoy snake boots, I don't wear them all the time. Um, There was a while for maybe two years that I wore them daily at my work, but I stopped and, and I'll tell you why in the negatives and positives this is a gear review for just snake boots in general okay the reason i really like snake boots and i continue to wear them to this day is that if you put on an 18 inch snake boot that goes up to your knee Mm -hmm. and you put your pants over the snake boots you never get brush in your socks and i freaking hate that (laughs) so if i'm working in places where it's like really brushy cheat grass any kind of aristida that's in in seed heads any kind of uh, annual bootaloos that are putting out those like stupid, annoying seed heads that stab into your socks and drill into your sock and stab you in the feet. Mm-hmm. That is why I like snake boots. Where are my South Texas people at? Where are my Southern New Mexico people at? All of the spiky, terrible. You want to talk about kicking stuff? You can kick a cactus, a prickly pear head on <laughs> with a pair of snake boots and you just trample through it. Yeah. So I have gotten into the habit. You're talking about kicking stuff with your steel toes off. I wore my snake boots for so long that I got completely un 
um, uninterested in looking at the ground and just walking. And then yeah. when I started wearing normal shoes again, I kicked so many cactuses, man. <laughs> and so uh, pros to them. The, re- the best thing about snake boots is not protection from snakes. It is protection from spiky brush and annoying grasses and seed heads. So if you're working in a place, check them out. Because if you're working in a place that has any of those things, check them out. You'll be thankful. Here's one thing that I really do also like about them. There is a confidence. When you're working in places that are infested with snakes, obviously, that's a huge bonus as well. Um, But also, they keep creepy crawlies from running up your legs, too. When I'm working with uh, rodents and stuff like that, sometimes I like to wear them. And then you can put a rubber band around the boot, around your heel. Because I've had rats run up my shoes, run up my legs. Mm-hmm. And that's not so fun to have a 300 gram wood rat, which is like a pack rat, run up your thigh and try to take <laughs> refuge in your underwear. So that can help a lot. Um, and it doesn't work so well when you don't have that shoe, that boot to like pant interface that you can put a rubber band around. So mm-hmm. if we're my rodent taggers, you guys know what I'm talking about. Protect the jewels from the nasty rats. All right. So <laughs> next. I just have um, this image of you like slapping your pants, you know? So like, that uh, is exactly what happened, but not to me. A person on our rat team got a big it looked like in a cartoon when you see like the like um the like bugs moving under the bed or something. You see the little lump. That uh, was a lump shooting up his very hairy leg. So it had plenty of traction. Just, and just this, squalling and like, yeah, you know he was he was just like he just completely cracked clamped on clamped onto his thigh above the rat and you can Mm -hmm. see it just like running around his leg like Mm -hmm. under his tight pant tightish pants and this giant rat and it shot out his the bottom of his pants but he was just frozen with his leg like with his hand around his leg (laughs) anyway so that's a huge bonus and and uh i feel like if if you're in a place with sharp brush or an abundance of of snakes just wear them now here's a huge drawback and this is what i don't understand about snake boots I'm going to review three brands because I wore three different brands. I currently wear the Lacrosse Venom scent, you guys. And the reason I went with that is I think I've worn the Rocky snake boot. I've worn the Danner snake boot. And I wore the Lacrosse Venom scent snake boot. The the Rocky boot has the most comfortable footbed. There's no question. What I don't like about the Rocky is why is it insulated? I do not need an insulated snake boot. Snakes don't live in the Arctic. Why is it insulated? <laughs> Snakes live in the desert. They live in hot places. Even waterproof is good. All those snake boots are waterproof. The Danner one was uh, the least waterproof. And the Lacrosse one is completely uninsulated. Good, but waterproof. Exactly what I need. The, the Rocky boot had the most... I hiked many, many, many miles in all of these snake boots. And the the Rocky one has the most comfortable bed, but it literally footbed, but it really feels like you're wearing an oven on your legs. And when they are 18 inches long, they go up to your knees, your entire, I'd pull those things off and my legs would be soaking wet. It was disgusting. Yeah. So you talk about hating wet feet. Imagine if you had wet sloshing feet from your own sweat. It's horrible. Cut them off. Cut them off. (laughs) Cut them off. I'll crawl. crawl, man. I I will stop. Shut things down and go get some socks. It was awful. So uh, I quickly, I wore my Rockies for about nine months until they kind of fell apart. And then uh, I never bought them again, although they were very comfortable. Next up, the Danner snake boots. Look, this is what really bothered me about the Danner snake boots. Did they have a comfortable footbed? Yes. Were they robust? Sure. 
uh, too expensive, in my opinion, for what they were, fell apart on me pretty quick, and I'm putting crazy miles on them. But also, man, lace-up was a total pain. When you have a 16-and-a-half-inch boot, yeah. lacing those things up every day, they didn't have grommets. They had the like little hook things. Yeah, so you had yeah. to like physically lace your strings around it every day. No, thank you. So uh, I give a I give the Danner boot a eh, not a thumbs completely down, but just kind of like a thumbs kind of down to the side <laughs> to the side. Yeah, and then I give the so then I have the Lacrosse Venom Scent two, and those are the best ones, you guys, in my opinion. Comfortable footbed, uh, and, and they have a zipper on the side, so you can set your boot at the level you want of the tightness you want around your leg, and then you can unzip the side and pull your foot out like a pull on boot. Yeah. genius and it's not insulated so it's the coolest of the three so um in my opinion and with rigorous many many miles put on them the lacrosse venom sent to check it out you guys that's a nice boot it really is a good boot now i don't wear snake boots all the time at work anymore and the reason is is and here's something that kind of i don't know if it's just me or whatever but when you walk a lot in snake boots that you can't really bend at the ankle very well and mm-hmm. it starts to put it starts to put tension on your knees over time. And I noticed that I was getting knee knee pain in like the front of my knees, my patellar tendon, um, more when I wore my snake boots and my ankles got kind of weak over time. And so that's what ultimately drove me away from snake boots and uh back into what I call hiking boots, which are not high top boots. I wear the like they're like tennis shoes, but for hiking, where they have a cutout for your ankle. So mm-hmm. good natural ankle flexion and I got made fun of a lot in Canada because I brought my desert vented hiking boots up to Canada. It's all I had last year. And that is not the choice you want for the boreal forests of Canada, but for the um, bone dry desert of New Mexico, it's they're pretty ideal. I wear the, the Merrill's, the Moab three. So those are a great boot, comfortable, extremely light. You're like talking about your glutes and your calves man <laughs> i have none because my boots weigh like an ounce so right <laughs> and then yeah so that's my opinion you guys um if you're gonna wear snake boots you know i would say i would recommend just don't wear them every day just wear them when you need them and uh, make sure you break them in they will give you horrid blisters as with any boot and um yeah that's all i got for boots brother i got i got something to throw in on that i have a. Uh... Um, I got a buddy that used to rock the big lace-ups and he actually, he, he had a, like a pretty neat idea. Now he was a hog hunter, big old boy. Um, and I don't know if he wants me to share everything, so I'm going to keep the name, but, uh, he, uh, <laughs> he, he would catch hogs, you know, like he, he'd have one get loose and he'd grab a hold of the ears and he used to wear snake boots, not only just because kind of like for multiple reasons, kind of like you, um, not just for the snakes, but for the pigs and everything. And he, he, I've seen him do it, you know, like if he had just told me or I didn't know him and I hear him be like, okay, shut up, tough guy, you know, but I, I saw him barehand both ears and then drive the hog's head down in between his legs, right it, down below oh, his knee. Yeah. Yeah. The hog would just slam left and right up against his snake boots and he'd be okay. You know, like you didn't worry about the tusk. You didn't worry about the biting or anything. Like and wow. he, he was a big boy over six foot, like 
250 pound kind of guy. And like I said, he'd catch both ears and stuff the head down and he would just hold it like that. So the catch dog come and he had this unique way of like letting go of the ear that the catch dog was closest to as it came. Oh oh my gosh. But you better get that timing right. Or you're going to have fingers missing. (laughs) But, but that was his thing. He'd bear down and just let him wear his ankles out, you know, his calves, the inside of both of his calves. And he'd, he'd hold the muzzle right there, whatever them all, you know, right there. Yeah. Um, But what he would do in order to get in and out of him real quick, he would, um, lace him up as tight as he wanted him on his foot and then tie a knot there, you know, hmm. like right at the ankle and then loosely lace him all the way up to the top and then tie another knot there. So uh-huh. as pull-ons, but like he said, like every month or so he'd have to retie those knots, you know, cause they gotcha. get that or something. But like that way it was like a, a pull-on of sorts, even though it was a lace up, he you yep. know, tied yep. that knot there in the ankle. So that's another tip. That yeah. is a good idea. If you have annoying lace-up boots, but yeah, that that zipper on the side of those lacrosse boots is badass. Money. So check, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really great invention. So anyway, if you guys have questions about boots or you guys want to comment on boots, comment on the show, comment on this on social media because I know there's a lot of people that have good good boot ideas and have worn some some pretty good boots or they're like Seth, the Rocky insulated boots is the best reason in the hot deserts of New Mexico for this reason. This is what you're missing. Stupid. So I want to hear it. <laughs> so, oh uh, yeah. Let yeah. the wars begin. There will be, there will be. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, good, good. It's like dog food to me, man. Yo, they'll, they'll, but I, I, like you say, I can't wait to, I, there's always more to learn, you know? So it's, tell, uh, it's Ellis. What you one think? foot ahead of the other. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, cool, man. So, well, hey, uh, how was a? Uh, I got to know how Canada was. You know, I've been dying to hear about this. You know, you're giving me little tidbits here and there. So, they, you know, we don't want to we don't want to burn the story before the show. So, folks, this is me hearing about it for the first time too. So, turn it yes. loose, bro. Tell me about man, it, man. I I freaking okay. When we talked about. Okay, everyone knows these gear are not gear reviews. These these reviews of trips. It's like ETX Apocalypse, right? I I was so pumped. That was a first time experience, and I get really excited to retell. This is actually my second time coming back from Canada. Uh, the the people up there, Babine Guide Outfitters, uh, and and of course Freedom Hunters, which made this all possible for me. So obviously, humongous shout out to Freedom Hunters, sincerely. Okay. Uh, the people up there, Babine Guide Outfitters, are just world class guides, and they they just treated me like family, you know, and, and it made that trip. The first time when I went there, I was just really ultra, um, you know, respectful, putting a good foot forward, making sure I was helpful and everywhere I needed to be and, and learning, absorbing. And after everyone got to know each other and we're all friends, the second time around, it felt a lot more, um, like I was just, yeah, like a part of the family kind of. And Mm -hmm. so I really, this trip, since everything wasn't crazy new to me, like I'd already kind of learned all the roads and kind of where we were and uh, all the people, I was able to sit down and actually absorb and learn a lot more about bear hunting. And so obviously I have an insane amount to learn, but what felt really good was that I was able to kind of like see a situation happen and, and be like, instead of the first time being just completely clueless i would i was weighing in options in my head what should i do and then i would like listen to lloyd like say what he would do and i was like yeah all right cool like i had the right idea you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and i learned so much the first time that the second time around 
I was able to not be so overwhelmed by all the crazy new stuff and just really, truly take in everything. And I thought I became a much better observer of bear hunting the second time around than I did the first. You were, you weren't so worried about getting in the way. You you knew what to do to stay out of the way and then lend whatever hand needed to be, which allowed you to just enjoy more of it. Huh? Exactly. Okay. Literally. Exactly. Yeah. And so it it was, and this group of veterans this year was uh, just really energetic, excited to see the hounds. And this year everyone was battling to get a seat in the hound truck, you know? And so that was really (laughs) exciting too. And we had a hunter that Nate shout out to Nate. He wanted to do it with the hounds. And so he was willing to try other methods, but he passed up on some bears that maybe others would have taken that he was like, no, I really want to do it with the hounds. And so we hunted our tails off for four days and we finally got him a nice bear. And all that footage is going to be obviously available on the Patreon page. And then the hey, nice. So, yeah. Uh, you know, day one, we got there and the weather was just, man. First of all, when it's 111 out here, I keep just dreaming about Canada. The highs were like 59 every day, you know? And so, yeah, the nights were getting down to about 30. Mm-hmm. So big difference between where I am now and where I was there. And and I just I still can't get over how it gets dark at 1130, dude. Like, <laughs> that is so trippy. You can oh, really I've worked myself out. to death. What time did the sun yeah. come up? Uh, it comes up at about 430. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's so crazy, man. You don't feel tired. Your body is just used to going sundown, getting tired. Well, it's still completely bright at 10 p.m. You're just like, man, I am ragged getting up at getting up at 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. And then going to bed at like midnight every night. And they hunt till 11. If if you haven't got a bear, they're hunting. And you're out, the bears are active at dusk, you know, and dusk is at freaking 10 yeah. o'clock at night. And so they're hunting every night. The, the guides are crazy, man. Those guys are beasts. And so that was something that I never get used to entirely. But it was just a blast. We saw tons of bears. It was so green. I, I went two weeks later this time than last year. So there was grass everywhere. And here's something that uh, I experienced for the first time. Dude, the mosquitoes. <laughs> I've heard about him, man. Oh my god, dude! You can't even. Okay, we were driving back. Okay, let me let me set the scene. It is a beautiful, beautiful evening. We're rolling in the truck. It's a crisp fifty degrees out. We're hunting. We're looking for a bear. We're cruising these roads. We glass over these big hills, and that's how you spot and stalk in in BC. So we're like driving along. It's gorgeous. I heard a loon call. It was amazing. And there was this gorgeous ground mist like across the ground and up on the trees. It was freaking beautiful. It was like something out of straight up Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that ground mist is beautiful. And the guide goes, dude, those are mosquitoes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, like, that's wild. It was the worst, man. And we were just like, we were okay at several times. Okay. The dogs are chasing a bear. We get out of the truck. We're looking at the race and, uh, we're standing there looking at the drive track outside. And I look over at Lloyd, he's wearing a t-shirt you guys. And it, the back of his neck has like a hundred mosquitoes on it. And, and I'm like, feeling? he doesn't even care. He's yeah, just looking at the drive track. And I am wearing like a, I look like a straight up like Arab guy. I'm wearing like a full on hoodie, 
tight like Kenny from South Park where I have it like scrunched over my face for just a little <laughs> circle of my eyes is visible. And it's like, yeah, it was like 62 in the sun. So it wasn't burning hot, but I was pretty warm. And uh, and he's just standing there. I go, I go, Lloyd, you got some mosquitoes on you. And he just swats the back of his neck, squashes like 50 of them. And his hand is just like pure blood. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. They weren't they weren't drilling through your hoodie though because I know yeah I mean sometimes like every now and then or what they I would look at my arms and it would I I was covered in mosquitoes bro covered in mosquitoes and I I don't know no I didn't get bit that bad um the no seums however ah yeah oh man first time I've ever experienced those too oh really oh my <laughs> god they're horrible yeah yeah they, they aren't as, they, they don't they got me on my legs mostly. Yeah, They'd go right, up my pants. Boots ended. Yes, down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yep. And it wasn't too bad. They didn't like me as bad as the mosquitoes, but the mosquitoes were just like, I don't know. I think I would take the mosquitoes over the noceums though, because at least I was covered up, and the mosquitoes didn't really bother me that much. But one thing I saw that I felt so crazy about: there's some pictures of Gomer, the Karelian bear dog, laying on top of the dog box, uh-huh. and he's covered in hundreds of mosquitoes but he's so furry that they can't really get to him yeah and i was thinking what another great adaptation for that climate he's so furry he's like immune to mosquitoes the hounds the slick-haired hounds were getting demolished by mosquitoes (laughs) man i felt so bad for them he's like yeah i gotta yeah i gotta put more treatment on him and i was like but the karelians you don't the Leica types you don't and you know, I, anyway, I'll leave the mosquito topic alone. I hate mosquitoes. I live in a place where it has zero mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to adjust to go from zero to 10 hundred billion of them, like all over your body at every second. And it's, uh, it's kind of annoying, but otherwise yeah. I'll leave the bugs out. <laughs> right. Right. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, I, I had a great time. We treed, uh, five bears, it was incredible every time. I, you never get tired of walking up to a tree, man. Yeah. And obviously, I don't have tree dogs, but damn, that is so fun to just mm. hear them out there barking in the forest. You know they're treed. They had like a two and a half hour race to get there, and you just hear that off in the distance, man. It's just, it's incredible. It's an mm. amazing feeling. It's every so time cool. they stop for a second, you're like, oh, oh. And then yes. it starts up again. Okay, good. It's still there. It's still yes. there. Like, walk yes. a little faster. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And it's so horrible walking through those woods, man. They got like devil's club and all these like stinging nettles and stuff. But in the more open places, we treat some bears in some really beautiful woods. And it is just so cool. They're like little homing beacons, those hounds. And it's just walking closer to the tree. Your energy increases. Their energy is increasing. Like, it is amazing. It is so fun. And to look up and see a bear, dude, there's a bear sitting there. Like that is such a cool, cool feeling. You know, I, I love all the diversity of hunting with dogs. And obviously I have an incredible admiration for hares, but it's a bear in that tree, dude. You know, yeah. it's a mountain lion. It's a bear. It's this big, powerful carnivore. There's something that's really cool about that. So oh, yeah. it was, it, it never got old. And of course I'm totally smitten with the Lycas. The Karelian bear dog and the West Siberian Laika, they are so awesome, man. And and I never get tired of watching them hunt. It's just something, nothing I've ever seen before, and it's really cool. And he's got a new one, a little white one named Cedar, the cutest hunting dog I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> she's, she's, she's it's like a, fish if a sh- <laughs> Dude, if it's a sheep, it's like a sheep 
had a puppy with a dog. Right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> she's like this little puffball. If you shaved her down, I bet she she looks like a coyote. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> she's but yet she weighs like 20 pounds. But I mean, just a fireball of intensity, speed. And uh let me let me tell you a story. We went to this tree. So uh we had some epic races. We had one that was almost 10 hours. We had several trees where they were three hour races. Well, we treed one bear in about 20 seconds. And there's this bear on the side of the road. It wasn't a big bear. It was just like an average size bear. And we let just cedar out this 20 pound Leica, 20, maybe 25 pound Leica. She jumps out, rushes this bear with like everything she has. The bear runs maybe 50 yards and immediately trees. And it was just hilarious to watch her tree. Well, anyway, so we, the hounds, we, we cut in some of the hounds just because some of the guys that had never seen a tree. So we cut all the hounds in just to tree the bear. And just so, gotcha. you know, you can get all the noise, the excitement, all that stuff. So the hounds are treeing. The bear is sitting up there. And the bear, this is badass, dude. I've never seen this before. I don't know if you have. The bear jumped from one tree to the other, dude. So oh, it, like, wow. it was, okay. It yeah. was like, I got it on film too. You'll see it, patrons. It's like clamped onto the tree and the bear is coming down. And we're like, hey, 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 hey. And the bear climbs back up the tree. And then like the Matrix style jumps and like lands on another tree and gla- grabs it like a squirrel and just like clamps onto that nope. tree. Never seen that before. That was never so badass. In the video, I'm like, he just jumped another tree. Like, it, it and was so crazy. the tree, I like, obviously, I don't care if the trees are like one foot away. That's still awesome. But was this a dense forest? Like, what are we talking? Like, three? No, feet? he jumped probably about five feet Woo! across to another tree. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's it was cool. sick. Yeah. So That's he really was cool. in that tree and it was a small bear, right? So uh, I was a little, I was feeling my oats, you guys. Like, that bear was coming down the tree mm-hmm. and I like ran up to the tree, clapping my hands and yelling. And mm-hmm. I was going to like, I don't know what I was going to do. If the bear came all the way down, I don't know if I was going to try like, I mean, punching the bear. or. <laughs> but like, I was not afraid of that bear. I was going to run up there and try to keep him up the tree. But me running up to the tree, clapping and yelling, he he like ran right back up the tree again. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, it's obviously not a shooter. You know, we wanted to keep it treed in case it was, but it was not. And so obviously the hunter, Nate, was like, no way. And so, uh, which we all agreed. And it was pretty funny, man. The bear was up there. And all this green moss kept falling down. Like it started falling down. And then I realized the green moss was poop. And the <laughs> bear was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were all laughing so hard because the hounds are treeing and just getting showered in bear crap. <laughs> oh, they love it. That's great. It's like, <laughs> they were it's like, like treeing a bear with parvy favors. It's like a pinata up there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah they love that man. <laughs> it was so funny and it was just it was great to watch this cute little puff ball just getting pooped all over oh cedar <laughs> so anyway we, we okay this bear wants to come out so we're i'm like all right let's leash the dogs up so i, I leash up chappy and i leash up willow and chappy is like a um imagine if um a blue tick and gandhi had a baby <laughs> I don't know if I can make that connection in my head, man. You're going to have to help me with that. Chappie is just like so – Chappie looks like a Saluki blue tick. Like he's just okay. a hard gainer. Gotcha. He just can't yeah. – Lloyd feeds him like a bunch. I saw him like every time. He's like, eat up, Chappie. You need the food. You know, like give him right. extra food. And, man, Chappie's just a beanpole. He's a rake. I right. don't know. He's just a very thin dog. And he runs good, and he's yeah, – man, he hunts hard. He's, he's a – He's determined. But anyway, I had him and then I had uh, Willow, who's like a, a a black and tan. She's built like a freaking rock. She's a beast. 
I have them both in one hand uh, and I'm trying to grab another dog and the bear just is like, all right, I'm out of here. As soon as I pulled the hounds back out of the back away from the tree, like five Boom. feet. Yeah. Yes. He's like, here he comes. The little Leica cedar is under the tree, paws on the wood, jumping up in the air, barking at him. The bear comes down. The second he comes in reach, he jumps up and bites a bunch of hair out of his butt. And it's just like this bear jumps out of the tree, lands on the ground, and is running for its life from this 22-pound <laughs> puffball that's right what? behind it. Just like, yeah. <laughs> what made me laugh is like a 200-pound bear, ears pinned back running with everything it has in terror from this like little Pomeranian looking thing. That's just like, <laughs> like needling him in the butt and flooring it through the woods behind this bear. And of course the hounds almost pull my arm out of my socket. But anyway, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen with like any kind of scent dog work. It, it, watching this little tiny puppy puffball just like biting a bear. And this, this that bear could turn around and just like yeah. smashed her like a bug. And he was just like, oh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> just running from <laughs> this little thing. So anyway, I love the Leicas, their intensity and their speed. How they can run that fast through the forest is is pretty amazing. And they, they hunt like a, it kind of dawned on me. I didn't know how to describe it until I saw the pig dogs. They do hunt like a puffball for a cur dog. Is that right? Yeah. They have like a hot nose. They're fast. And they only open when they see the bear. Yeah. And and what a cool looking at them or just like the hind end too. They'll bark then too. No, because I know looking, some people draw a distinction there. Like that they, they like some folks don't want their dogs to bark unless the hog's looking at them. You know, uh, and other people are like, no, I want them to bark as soon as they can see the hind end. Like what wh- what were you finding with like? Oh, okay. I don't okay. I, I don't know if I can make that distinction, but I'm assuming when he's just looking at a bear, like okay. in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Because he was chasing the bear and I did hear him barking. So okay, go. I'm assuming it's when he's like looking at yeah. the bear. Yeah. But the the intensity and the style of the bark changes when the bear would stop. And mm-hmm. like look at him or bluff charge them and they would yeah. like burr, 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 and like uh-huh. you know go quiet for a second when the bear's actually running at them and then they turn mm-hmm. around and just like nya, 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 nya. and uh one of them he's gomer isn't really that bold anymore he's kind of learned to keep his distance from a bear but cedar we'll see she's pretty she's pretty uh she's pretty gnarly <laughs> so, that's cool that's really yeah. cool how how big are they generally weight wise i know um, the poof probably adds like four inches to all sides you know but like yeah under I wonder, all that fur, what do they weigh? You think? I think I think Gomer's like fifty pounds at the okay. most. Okay, yeah. so a big dog then. They're not. Yeah, tight. yeah. And I would really like to see what he looks like shaved all the way down. Oh god, they they they're so deceiving. They're they're plush. <laughs> Don't do that yeah. to him. Don't do that to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, Lloyd said, and that's another thing too. I love when people keep dogs for their climate. You know, when I see a husky in southern New Mexico, I just yeah. am like, oh, poor thing. You know. Yeah. But that animal is absolutely at home in Canada. Lloyd says that thing will sleep on his doghouse in negative 20. Like he's just laying on top of his doghouse asleep, getting yeah. poured on with snow. And he's just like, this is great. This awesome. is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously the the plush coat has its advantages. He's like, if you have to leave those hounds out, because, you know, that was something I thought about. And you guys, this is crazy wolf country. And oh, yeah. they've shot one of the biggest wolves in British Columbia. 130 pound wolf i have a picture mm. of this thing i'll show you dude chad it's full body mounted i i literally could not stop looking at it 
the skull of this wolf looks like a bear skull. Like one of the size of my horses, man. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) I am not hyperbolic about wolves. I am not, um, I don't like conflate them with like, wolves will eat your like entire livelihood and your 401k. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I'm being a total realist about this wolf right now. It was insanely intimidating. Like when I look at it, these paws were just enormous. Anyway, so what I'm trying to say is like, Lloyd's like, if you got to leave these dogs out overnight in the woods, these Lycas are totally fine. Like they're just going to curl up under a log and go to bed. They're not going to freeze to death. Even if it gets down to like negative 50, they'll survive. Yeah. And that's a comforting feeling to know that like whatever happens, they're built to live here. And so, yeah, I think they have a lot more sense maybe to quit or call it when it's impossible or maybe they're, I don't know. That's just totally speculation, but the way their mind works, it's not as driven, as crazy focused as like a cold hound that may just keep grinding a trail. Maybe they'll just give up. I don't know, but uh, I like them. They're very cool. And I think they add a great add on to any hound pack. So people that are running Leicas alone without hounds, that's badass too. But I think they're really rad with the combination of hounds. Addition too. Yes. Yes. You know me. I like to combine talents though. That's kind of my favorite thing. I, so, I, I'm a mix the pack, not the breed kind of guy myself. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I think uh, the Greyhound and the Saluki or the Greyhound type, the speed type mixed with the Saluki is just devastating to gotcha. hairs. Nice. And so I really admire that when we have that kind of mentality of the, the driven start the older trail of the hound and then pick up the speed and intensity like crazy when the bear has been jumped with these Leica types. And they'll run with the hounds the whole time. That's the the other thing. We turned Gomer out several times with the hounds in the beginning, and he would run along or get ahead of the hounds and trail the bear and get the bear jumped way ahead of the hounds. And then when he starts barking, the hounds would speed up. So I thought that was like a really cool addition. You know, when they hear him barking, they're like, whoa, whoa, oh, yeah, let's go, let's go. And Mm -hmm. they would run down the track a little faster, which I thought was very neat and a powerful addition to the hound pack. Yeah. And, dude, he can make a bear tree. That's why I like those little, those, um, those, those Karelians, those Leica types are like piranhas, man. They're like barracudas, like running around and they really pressure the bear to climb. Much like a better. terrier, would you say? Kind of like a, like a, like, yeah, like a big yag terrier or, or? With, with, with as little knowledge as I have in that arena. Yes. Because they're just like picking at their butt and running around and yapping and just, the hounds keep their distance and make a lot of volume, but those little guys have this like fast choppy bark and they're trying to pull your butt hairs out and that's not comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're so fast. They dart in. They're like ninjas, you know, they're, they're quick. So anyway, that was really cool. I I had an amazing time. I really can't uh, say thank you enough to freedom hunters for making this opportunity possible for me. And uh, coming up there, you guys, there's stay tuned on the Patreon page. There's even more content coming up. I posted hundreds of pictures uh, and I'm making a video right now. It's not going to be as long as the first one because I really focused on just getting the tree footage, um, making hound hunting look easy, you know, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> th- I have two interviews with two of the vets that were there, uh, Dylan and Jason, and those will be on the Patreon page. You guys as tailgate talks, but those two were as always Chad. And, and you know, this too, they were totally blown away at how difficult hound hunting is. Oh. <laughs> Every, everybody yeah. thinks it's going to be just drop the tailgate. And they magically go tree a bear. 
Yeah, just walk a quarter mile over to the tree, right? Yeah, nothing. right, right, right. <laughs> Nate's bear we shot was a mile in. And uh, that sounds like an easy walk if it was in the forests of western New Mexico, but it's not such an easy walk in Canada or East Texas. Mm. A mile is a pretty hellish walk, <laughs> honestly. Right. So anyway, yeah, and and Nate stick it to it. He was like, no, no, I don't want to talk. I'm not a talker. He gets real shy behind the mic. But he did tell me to tell everyone that um, – the hound hunting really changed his life and he was wanting to get into hounds and he was blown away at how fun it is and how much uh, skill and dedication it takes on the hunter's behalf to hunt with dogs because he was also blown away at, at um, how difficult it is, how difficult mm-hmm. it is. So that's always fun to, to kind of bring people into the fold. We just made three like lifelong fans of this lifestyle. And that feels great too. That's the mission of freedom hunters right there is, changing lives through the outdoors. And I just feel really honored to be a part of that. You know, I, I, I hear you. So hear when you. are you going to get a set of Leicas? I think I actually text you that when yeah. I was in Canada, it, I was like, Chad, you, you got to get a pair of these fluffy little monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to try one, man, but I need another dog. Like I need a hole in my head, man. I, already, <laughs> I, got, I just got another puppy, you know, like, but I, I would really like to see him hunt. You know, I, I think that'd be really cool. I might get, I might not be able to hold myself back if I got to watch him go. Yeah. Um, What's one more, dude? I look, this is what my wife says, and she's the worst enabler in all of hound hunting wives. She says, once you get past three, what does it matter? It's kind of, you're kind of right. But then once you're bearing down on 20, you know, like, yeah, yeah. true, yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. I just shot a goat. Teen range ain't so big deal. But once you get past 15, it could really, you know, Make it really be difficult. <laughs> yes. I just shot a free goat. So I'll be feeding them goat meat for a while to save on food. <laughs> oh, nice. What kind? Yeah. Uh, just a wild goat, feral. No, no. Uh, um, a cabra gratis, a free goat <laughs> down in the valley. That okay. was just on on Craigslist. A guy, uh, this old lady was like, a, she's just like, I don't want this goat. And so I <laughs> called her and was like, I'll take that goat. And she's like, well, is he going to a good home? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> yes. He's going to a great home. My home. Yep. And so um, yep, I took him. He's an ugly, nasty Billy with nuts like a foot long. And <laughs> you know what? The His dogs they... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Did I mention he was hideous? But yes. great, but great glutes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The dogs don't mind. They don't, they don't care about that Billy funk one bit. They're yeah. happy. So yeah. That's something you would eat. You nasty boar hog yep. eater. Yep. 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 I was going <laughs> to, I was going to say, I bet you they, I've, I've had, I see, I haven't had that much goat. I've only kind of been to like one of those Mongolian grills where all the different types of meats are out there and you kind of like throw whatever into the giant bucket. And I hate vegetables. So like I go through that thing and just pile dead animal on top of dead animal on top of dead animal. And I get down there to the end of the line and hate it to hand it to the chef. You know, he kind of looks just like, at me. you know, I'm like, yeah, put some hot stuff on there, man, and get after it, throw it on some rice. <laughs> and, uh, like there's a chicken, there's a steak and there's always some stuff in there. Cause I, I throw some goat in there just cause why not? You know? Yeah. Well, why not? So I, I think I like goat, man. I, I need to, it's good. It's good. There's a traditional Mexican dish with goat called birria. And uh, it's like a slow cooker, like a crock pot, slow simmered goats, like pulled goat, I guess. With yeah. Like a yummy broth. And yeah. Oh, my God. My mouth is watering. Yeah. Birria is incredible. And people make birria de res, like beef birria. But no, it's got to mm-hmm. be made with goat, in my opinion. Is that but right? Not that goat. 
because that's the boar hog of gro- goat and ugh, <laughs> no thank you <laughs> yeah i laugh when i think of danny's like chad can keep those boar hogs yuck <laughs> ah they're all right they're all right we're doing it we're doing it we're eating one so anyway yes canada was incredible you guys stay tuned for the footage that's going to be on their patrons I'm really happy to share that with you. It's going to be pretty long. We walked to a lot of trees and we got some awesome footage from everybody else too. Some awesome uh, footage of the shots themselves. Like oh, one cool. of the guys shot a bear with a 4570 at like 10 yards. So oh, that was, yeah, a high wall, a, a Remington model one, model three. I mm-hmm. don't know. Old, one of the single digit model. <laughs> and uh, it was very cool. Very cool. Uh, he was a cool guy. Shout out to Dylan. You'll be hearing from him on the Patreon page, you guys. Uh, Tailgate Talk with Dylan. He's there, so go check it out. Um, but anyway, yeah, a great time, Chad. It was... Uh, Sounds like it. It was incredible, man. Yeah. If you have any questions, buddy, now is the time. I kind of monologued there, but... Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. How many dogs were you guys swapping out? You know? He only got five, dude. He is only right? had five. Yeah, real nice. small pack. And, nice. and he only... He starts down with one or two dogs. And he'll add in fresher dogs later in the day. Dude, there's so many bears. Yeah. Every single day we were seeing 10 bears, you know, five, five plus bears, no problem. And so, you know, we'd start a good bear. And this, I hunted with a guy named Gavin. Shout out to Gavin, man. You're a cool guy. I really got to know him real well. He's really cool. Young fella, great hunter. One of the best trackers I've ever seen. That guy could see a bear track on, it was incredible. on like hard road. So I learned a lot from him. He taught me a bunch about how to, uh, see bear tracks better but anyway um gavin was very selective on what we'd put the dag- dogs down on mm-hmm. and so we you know we they'd rig we'd get out we'd look at the tracks he'd be like eh, nah we drive down the road another two miles they'd rig again we'd get out and look we did that all day man when i hunt with lloyd dogs rig we get out look at tracks let's send them <laughs> dogs go we have ourselves a race they either tree the bear or they get out run we pick them up we let them rest for like 20 minutes drive down the road they rig again let's send them again. Right. (laughs) So me and Lloyd were hunting dogs all day and, uh, you know, uh, Gavin had clients, so he had to be a little more, um, protective of their energy, but it was just me and Lloyd hunting for fun, man, we were sending them. So what we do is we'd send two, let them start the trail. Willow Mm -hmm. is his best strike dog, uh, best, um, best starter. Yeah. Track starter. Yeah. And totally a house dog. That's another thing too. I want to talk about that in a minute is she is a house dog. She's a straight up house pet and he has like an incredible handle on her and she's definitely his best starting dog. And so I'm going to ask you, do you think that has an option? Do you think that has a hand to play in it? We'll go there in a second. In her ability to be a great starter, obviously to have an awesome handle on her, that's no question. But do you think that having her being a family pet makes her a better, more confident start dog? Because that's something we talked about. In my opinion... All right, do you want to talk about it later? No, no, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Screw okay. it. Let's go. All right. Yep. Well, in, in my opinion, like, uh, uh, there's a lot of dogs that are me too dogs that when they join the pack, they can even get out in front and take things over. Um, there's a lot of dogs that, that have a good enough nose and they have a good enough, you know, uh, they're confident enough and they want it. But for whatever reason, you know, want other dogs there with them, you know, there might be some type of, some some part of their character that can stand in the way. Either they they only want to go with another dog where you could like duct tape a hamster to their back and they could, you know, they're like, ah, I got a buddy. I can do this all on my own now, you know? Like, um, but uh, something, the only thing I could say that, you know, having a dog that is a house pet w- w- would help 
is the the lines of communication. Everybody likes to talk about like what is the smartest dog, you know, and everybody's knee-jerk reaction is like a border collie, you know. And border collies are just good at communicating, you know, like you can tell them all these different commands, they interpret them, they recall them better. They're they're good at communicating with the handler. They're bred to work in conjunction with the human. Whereas the hounds, it's independent. Go out there. Now, I don't want to look at you. If I need to help you, you're doing something wrong, you know, mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. unless they're having trouble with the track and you're like trying to help them through some rock stuff. I do that a lot. So don't don't take that the wrong way. But for the yeah. most part, they're expected to do as much of it as they can on their own. Well, I just try and keep up and keep them on the track should they make a loss. Um, so a lot of times folks will say a hound dog's dumb just because they don't communicate. They're not dumb. They're just independent. They haven't been bred to take direction and to be dependent on direction you know so mm. uh, that's a long way around like a lot of prep to to say the cool part about hunting with dogs that are house pets is they understand you know and even a hound that does work independently from all that time spent in the house they communicate better so when you say no right here here check they're just he, you know like they they can they understand what you're saying a little bit better and they'll trust what you're saying a little bit better so in my opinion that's how it can happen out d- d- am i saying all the best starting dogs are house pets? No, but each dog may have something standing in the way of being your best start dog. And having more ways to communicate with your dog so that it fully grasps what you're trying to tell it to do can help that out. So does that make sense? That's, did I, did I, did that's I, beautiful. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's, man, and, and it's kind of, as you were saying all that, it kind of dawned on me that like, you're right. I mean, when she got out of the box, She's hunting, running up and down. We're just standing there quietly. But if if Lloyd wanted to be like, smell this footprint right here, he would like call her over and be like, hey, sniff this. And she'd run right over, give it a sniff and either open or not mm-hmm. and like move on. And and it, I think, I think you're, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's the ability of having that line of communication with her because she's so um, close to you and so used to how you communicate that I think made her an effective, because you're right. I don't think it has anything to do with her ability to start and run a track. Um, I just feel like maybe it helps her stay focused or yeah, have that line. They just understand, you know, when you say something, you know, because I I didn't want to imply that, you know, a a kennel dog, you know, can't go out there and you say over here, over here, over here, because mine do. I got some kennel dogs, you know, that live out there 24 seven, And I can say, hey, over here, over here. Hey, dogs, hey, dogs. And they'll come over and like start sniffing around at my feet and, and, and take off. So it's not to say that they can't, but like. You know, it's almost like, you you know, some dogs can start maybe your house, you know, the, the one that you keep in the house gets off a little bit and it comes running back and you say, you know, the dogs are barking. And you get it. And it's like, OK, I know what you mean. You know, like yeah. Yeah. Th- there's just more understanding. And yeah. with that connection, you could you could maybe hurdle some more. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's uh, cool. you hit the nail on the head. My very limited experience. I think you're uh, that sounds exactly right to me. And it's funny, too, because. The, his wife, Lloyd's wife, loves that dog too. And I'm like, man, she's been bitten by a bear like four times. You know oh, what boy. I mean? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, she's been totally chomped by bear. She's got some bear scars on her body. And I'm like, ooh, that's a that's a dicey, um, a dicey house pet. You, you got know? some I white mean, hairs on the hind end there, you know? A little, little, little bit, you know. Yeah. She was healing, she was healing from a pretty good bite. <laughs> Going and, gray in the butt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was a. Uh, She's a sweet dog though. So anyway, that was something I I really um I admired so much. I I'm going to just be straight up and this is a blanket statement, not just for bear hunters. I love when people have a good handle on their dogs, dude. I mean, it just makes everything better. And mm-hmm. and 
when you're hunting to me, when you have that, they don't have to be a fur baby. Let's be real here. Okay. I, I just mean that like when you let your dogs out, they know the drill and you're there, you call them, they come or whatever. When you have a handle on a dog, it is just, it just makes hunting so much better, you know, and you just got to put the time into it. I actually have one more point too, that uh, is a prime, prime example. And I'll zip through it real quick, but it, it kind of encapsulates what we're trying to say here. For example, I have a buddy that keeps his inside the house. He had one, you know, the rest of them are kennel dog and he keeps one inside the house. And what's really neat to watch him is I had a bunch of puppies, you know, and then he he called, you know, like, hey, let your puppies go. Let's get the puppies started on this. And then, you know, we had already, you know, succeeded at what we wanted to that day. So let's let's try and give some puppies some experience. So the pups came down and he's trying to get them on the track. They hit the track and they go the wrong way. You know, they go, you know, mm-hmm. down the track or up the track rather than down the track. And and then nothing I could do short of blasting them to get them back, you know. So we went and got his out. And then because he had this firm the line of communication with the dog, he can call it and say, no, 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 don't worry about them. They're wrong this way, this way that, you know, and got her walking in the right direction on the track. And then like, you could almost see her like, are you sure? She hears all these puppies raising heck going the other way. And he could basically tell this dog, no, 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 ignore them. Go this way. You know? And then she took off on the track and then I cut my puppies off, picked them up, brought them back, you know, got them in behind her, you know, and off they went. But like that, that's something. Perfect example. you know, that you can have with the dog that you have good communication with. No, 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 no. They don't know what they're doing. Those barking dogs are bad. Start this in your own way, going this way, you know? Perfect. And again, you, you, some people could get that with a kennel dog too, but I think you're going to catch that more often with one that you do have, you yeah. know? And then devil's advocate for that. Sometimes if you baby them too much, then they become handler dependent, you know? So there's, mm-hmm. there's a, you know, there's the opposite end of that spectrum too. But, you know, if it's a good, I've, I've been dog, told that, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's a good hunting dog. It's a good hunting dog. You don't have to worry about that, you know? So anyway, I'll, I'll hush about that, but no, no, that's, that's a beautiful point. And that's what I've heard too. Is like, I've, there's people in the sighthound community that have been like, Hey, if you let those dogs in the house, they may not be a serious hunting dog. And luckily that has not been at all the case. Mm-hmm. All four of mine will absolutely abandon me in one second when they see a jackrabbit. So right. that's really important. I'm glad that's the case. Cause I do enjoy them chilling on the bed and like hanging out and on the couch and stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, that's just, a, I really want to pick your brain about that. And uh, let me ask you another thing. How often do you see a walking bay? It happens. It happens. The, you know, the, the big boys, generally, the biggins is what I see. And then those, those are, those are fun because it's cool to watch, you know, to watch your dogs work a bear on the ground. But those are generally the more confident ones, you know. Um, do, you, do you think that's common or do you think it's not very common? Well, it, it's all common on how many big bear you got, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I listen for that. <laughs> every time the dogs would get slow on the gps and they'd be opening i was like oh please please let it be a walking bay yeah i, I still haven't seen one yet and Lloyd it's still said hard to move common. in on though gosh it'll uh, gas you out trying to catch up to those sometimes yeah uh, but but i listen for that I, like when i hear people talk about oh every time i go out there i get a walking bay i'm like oh you know like <laughs> to me it's it's the tiny little ones that run like Ooh. kenyans you know they just take yeah. off marathon runners that, that'll run all day you know those you know, to me, it's the smaller ones that like to run all day and the big confident, you know, like I don't have to run from nothing. You know, I'm like, awesome. Where were you? Can I get up? <laughs> you know, like, where, where, where exactly? You know, drop a pin on on X. I'll be yeah. right there. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, it, it's, it's as common as the big bears are, you know, down by me, a lot of the outfitters chew them up. So I don't, 
you know, it happens, you know, last mm-hmm. year we had a great one and I got a video I could share at some point, you know, like they were guests. We finally called them off, you know, and one of yeah. my good dogs rebar was just so tired. You know, you kind of walked over to the tracking and I was like, nah, come back here. And he smelled it. <laughs> <laughs> it was this long wilting, whimpering howl, you know, I was like, yeah, but you're done, man. You're, <laughs> you're going to stroke out, come back here, you know? Yeah, but, man. So, so it happens. Yeah, I, I still would love to come in on a ground bay, too. Apparently, they're crazy exciting. And mm. Lloyd had tons of videos of them, but all our bears treat. So, I mean, which is ideal. But, man, I wanted to sneak in on a ground bay like crazy. Yeah. Or even the walking bays are fun, you know? Like, if you can get up you get up to a road and, and you know, run in there and see, you know, just, just run in there fast enough and then kneel down and hold your breath you know like because if they a lot of times if they hear you they're just going to turn and walk the other direction you know but mm-hmm. so run in there and you're like ah, 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 you know like so the, the, <laughs> the dogs come by and you know so and it's that it's, would be awesome yeah yeah lloyd had some videos of that too of hunters shooting a walking bay as it crossed the road mm-hmm. and of course the hounds and the lycas are right behind it just raising hell and you're just like oh but anyway i guess i gotta keep going back huh go back yes. to paradise that's all there is to it. More bears. <laughs> Always more bears. Yeah. And and yeah. What what do you what do you think your ideal number of bear pack is? That's you man, I took a thousand years to answer that question. Lloyd has five dogs. He usually only turns out two or three at a time. Very small pack, which he mm-hmm. likes. What do you like, Chad? It depends, man. I like if you're doing it right, you got two puppies you're training, in my opinion. Again, everybody's got their own yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's an opinion. Sure. Yeah, it's opinion. and and my opinion. Is I got, I got, I got my, you know, my track starter, my best dog and whatever dog I'm trying to make a pack start and a track starter, you know, and I'll turn him loose with that, you know, made dog. And sometimes I'll have like my best dog that I start. And then I'll have like my other three that I'm trying to get there. And I'll swap out whoever that second dog is, you know, depending on the day or who has more energy or how the paws are doing or whatever, you know? So I generally like four dogs you know at least one of them being you know the best i got and the other three being something that i'd be proud to turn loose of anywhere you know good dogs good dogs not helpers i don't oh it's a me too dog this is a help dog Ugh, no you know <laughs> if i don't think they can do it on their own i don't nah I don't, I don't i don't really want to mess with that it doesn't mean that they're as good as my best one it's just that if my best one wasn't around i'd still be confident putting them down on a track right and so that's four dogs and then two puppies Always two nice. puppies. Every year you got to be starting two puppies, man. In my opinion, you got to start. You got to start new ones every single year, or you'll get stuck. You know, um, and so that's what I like. You know, and then you know, a lot of times with bear, that's kind of a communal thing for me. I like my lion hunting by myself. Not that I don't like other people, but a lot of times in the deep snow, sometimes they can. Too many dogs will kick snow in the tracks. In again, Chad's opinion. You know, they can they can get in the way. You know, so my lion hunting, uh, it can get crowded. But my bear hunting, you can turn as many loose as you want. You know, they don't really get in each other's way too much, you know. Yeah, um, I would love to see a big pack. Just the noise and the mm-hmm. the mayhem. It'll know? rattle the fillings out of your head when they're a mile away. You know, the whole side of the mountain sounds like it's going to come down. I, I, I like big packs, too, you know. God, but for yeah. me, if I'm going to load the truck, six is what I like. That's what I like. No. Four good ones okay. and, and two pups, you know. Nice. nice. And then And then haggis don't count for nothing. You know, he, <laughs> my dry heart, he don't, yes, he don't, he count, does. You know? Well, yes, what I'm saying does. is he doesn't count as a dog. He's a buddy. He's, he rides in the passenger seat. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Like, so he's, he, 
he never counts towards that six, whether I have him or I don't have him or anything like that. You know, that that's what he, what does he do? What do you think he does? Does he just help tree? Do you with think a bear? he pressures a bear? He kind of does kind of what you're is as long as it's not too hot. Cause I'll be honest, he doesn't he they they don't tolerate the heat too much. They got that really thick skin. And they're you know, they're made for swimming, breaking ice, doing duck retrieves and stuff like that. You know, they're they're very cold oriented dogs you know i mean even like during the breed test they'll you they stand him up and they're like looking at the hairs on his belly to make sure he's encapsulated in hair like an otter mm-hmm. you know like if a, if a trot <laughs> is like has has like a, a lightly haired belly they they can they can go from anywhere to having like a full to like you know to like being unbreedable if they don't have yeah. enough hair on their stomach you know true true so and their skin is super thick you know if you like grab a hound's hair like right on their you know like meat right on their neck and pinch it you know, that there's, you know, it folds over and it's super thick. Well, that's kind of how a draught is on his entire body, um, which Armor. does great. Yeah. I mean, which is great for cold, you know, um, protection and then like all the brush and everything like that. But as a downfall, they get hot real easy. So as long as it's not too hot, um, he will win them. He will rig them with the hounds, you know, and there's even oh. been times when it's only been him like his, you know, he, he got hurt or burnt out and I had him in the truck and we got close enough to it and he'll, he'll rig all on his own, you know? Um, but, uh, what, what I like that he does is, uh, kind of what you were saying about the Vikas, like when they're cold trailing them and they, they, I like, it's so dry out here. I need nose down cold trailing dogs, dry land dogs is what I need. So I, I like them to take their time and be methodical, you know, and I have a few hounds that run fast, you know, but he's quick. That's his thing. When they get close and they got him up and running and going, you'll see how I guess outpace them, you know, and get up behind them. And then he's, he's almost too gritty. Almost. Almost. (laughs) He he likes to dance on that line. So like he's going to slow it or spin it or just drive it up or, you know, something like that. So he'll, he'll run with them and you'll have his nose down the whole time. But like when it gets hot, you start to see him pull ahead. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't say he has as much endurance as, as you know, your good, your best hounds, you know, but he can, he can run. Kind of hard to beat them. I mean, is, they're unreal. Anybody, yeah, and anybody that says that, you know, like, oh yeah, my dog's never been bred for running a bear all day, but I know he'll do it if they need. They're they're either ignorant or lying. One of the two. You know, like the hounds have got that wrapped up tight. You know, but oh, man, yeah. if it's not too long of a race, you know, and he's still got that drive, he'll dust them. You know, so sometimes I will use them specifically for that. You know, I always like to put them down because I like to see him track. But if I'm really smart. I'll save them, you know, until they get it going and dump them to it. Cause then so, he'll so that was common for Lloyd too. He would mm-hmm. hold the Leicas back until mm-hmm. the race was heating up or the bear was jumped and then send yep. the Leicas in yep. and they will just race yeah. up to the front and, and they'll, they'll cut, you know, like even if you dump them on the track, they'll cut the corner to get to the barking. Definitely. I and, and then overtake the track, get way out ahead and put it up, you know, and that's kind yeah. of, that's how I should use them, you know, if I'm not being selfish, you know, like, cause I like, I like going truck to tree. I like, I turn him out with my track starters and that's what and really did that too. Good, with with Gomer, we turned him out several times at the very beginning of the race and he ran the entire mm-hmm. two hours with the hounds mm-hmm. and he was there the whole time. And at other times the bear would run across the road and send him, you know, and yeah. like that little furry monster would jump out and zoom like you. And then within 20 seconds you hear, yep, 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 mm-hmm. yep. And you're like, yes, yes. So, but if it were to be textbook, like you're saying, like, what's the best use? Save them. Wait till they get it going and then put that little demon, that little fast track and nose up dog go, you know, that, that. I like how you call him little. He's a freaking beast. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He's a big stocky dog. (laughs) 
It smells yeah. wonderful too. Oh my god, he smells so good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's the biggest pack you've ever seen sighthounds run? Then I'm gonna let that go. But uh, what's okay. the biggest pack you've you've hunted with sighthounds for hares? Oh, I think I saw somebody run twelve. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's got me beat. Well, the most I've ever run before was six. We had three pups and three adults. And okay. that was crazy. Like, I don't recommend it, but yeah. 12. I, I'm assuming with the 12, there was a huge age range in there. Oh, yeah. It was it was yeah. the, the the fellow's whole yard, you know? Yeah. Which and... I've seen that, too, in videos where people have, like, 15-year-olds and, like, five-month-old puppies. And uh-huh. have big packs of, like, 10 or more out there. And it's like, who cares? Do you even count them? You know what nope. I mean? It's just Not to me. I'm not saying I yeah. would never do it. You know, like, if, like, oh, yeah, work I would. <laughs> down and I couldn't go and I couldn't go. You know, yeah. and then finally got out there. I'm like, everybody's going. We're gonna just go cheat. Yeah, for it. you sure. know, let's go get one. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I get it, but at, but at, you know, I do that. But at the same time, like, yeah, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. My, my name is Seth Hall, and I support that message. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got a whole yard and you got a huge age range, and you're just going out to pleasure hunt, screw it, bring them all, get them. Yeah, but, yeah. But but if if I'm running pro dogs and I'm trying to do it, you know, like hunting for real or whatever, what I, I quote, I'm air bring the here. best out of your dogs too. Yeah, yeah I, I would say three or four mm-hmm. at the most. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think two and three is the best races, but uh, two two or three dogs is the best in my opinion. But you know, sometimes you can ease up to four if you just want to bring your whole yard, which is what I'm doing right now. But well, if I have injuries. But anyway, yeah, I've seen six before. I've seen five good dogs on a hair. That's it's just uh, crashes colliding with one another can get kind of mm-hmm. dicey. So I typically like two or three, but anyway, and, and it depends on the cover too. Cause I like, like if you're hunting a lot of tall sage, you know, it's the extra eyes help a whole lot, you know, with the yeah. larger packs, more numbers, That's you know, the and, thing. Yeah. And that in like Spain and stuff where they hunt with the like Abesian hounds and stuff, they're running like 20 of those yeah. things on the ground at once, but it's because yeah, it's the cottontail. They're hunting cottontails. And then also it's just brush and rocks everywhere. You just need the eyes everywhere. Line basically. of sights like six feet. You know, somebody like, will you know? somebody will see the rabbit. You know yeah. what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, a little different than our grass lines out here. Where I saw where you're running, I I got very sad for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's better when there's snow everywhere. I promise. I'll keep it nice. It, yeah. It, I was like it's better when there's sad. Yeah, Poor Chad. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, man. You can't yeah. have everything. Your numbers are awesome. Your density is beautiful, mm-hmm. but poor Chad. Yeah, <laughs> not the same. Yeah. I agree. Guys, this is a no nonsense podcast. You guys know that. And I'm going to talk to you about Onyx because I'm sitting in camp in New Mexico right now. I've never stepped foot on this ranch, and I've used Onyx so many times in the last three days. With their high-definition maps, I can see mesas, I can see grasslands, I can see the canyons. I know where the critters ought to be living, and Onyx helps me find those spots and get to those spots, and it totally augments my tracking equipment. I could buy a map card for New Mexico, but this year alone I've hunted Louisiana, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, New Mexico, I didn't hunt in Colorado, but I was there. Montana, I've been in Montana. So you do the math on the map card, and when you buy Onyx at their elite price for around 100 bucks a year, I get all of these maps that are right on my phone, extremely clear, landowners are marked, state lands are marked. It's all right there. 
check out Onyx at onyxmaps.com and get with it, man. And at checkout, enter the promo code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your Onyx subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. <laughs> All right, Brad. Well, we're going to move on. We got our last segment here, and it's going to be quick, uh, but we got our last segment. It's keep or call, and I'm going to give you some real scenarios, and I want you to decide, would you keep it or would you call it? Let's roll right into it. All right. Keep or call. Okay. These are some written responses. Or these are some written, written here. That uh, I'm going to read these some words. <laughs> yeah, some words. Thank you. I'm trying to do too many things at once. All right. These are all with names removed to protect the innocent because some of these are real serious questions and we're going to see what Chad would do. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess we'll throw in my worthless two cents where it can be applicable. All right. Here we go. Keep or call. First question. IHXP crew. I have a young dog that I'm starting on bears. He starts off strong, but he's got an open babbling mouth, and I'm not sure if he actually knows the bear is there or if he's barking to be excited. Sometimes when he gets on the track, he will push it well, but I think he's just moving with my other dogs. He is young, only nine months old, and I think he has a good start ahead of him, but I'm just not sure if I should keep training hard or if he's not showing enough grit at his age. What would you do? That is the time when hopefully you have a like what I like to do with those dogs right there. They need to they need to learn to act on their own, you know. And I had a I had a dog that started to get a little old. He was great at starting the tracks, fantastic at it, but he just didn't have the the go anymore. And he'd get mad when the old dog or the younger dogs would leave him behind. And sometimes he'd even come back to the truck. He'd get so upset about it. But what he was great for was putting him down with a dog like that who would get them lined out, get them started, say, yes, we're on a bear, let's move it, let's move it. They start closing the distance, the track's heating up, and then he starts to fade away. You know, that veteran mm-hmm. dog starts to burn out a little bit. And Unless then that's, the young when one. that's when your young one can take the steering wheel and get ahead, you know, and really show you what he's got. And I wouldn't just I wouldn't just do that once or twice or even three times, but sometimes it takes that long. If, if, if a young dog that's a good dog, you know, that you think could be a good dog, that is, if he always gets to rely on your showstopper, on your best thing, that that's all he's gonna do. He doesn't, he doesn't have to get better. He doesn't have to grind out that track and beat his face off all the rocks and just trying to produce it because he doesn't need to. He's got, yep. he's got all rebar to go. You know, to <laughs> behind, you know? so good old so rebar. That's what I would do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him based based off of that. He's a young dog. Keith. He's nine months. I'm not the guy that's like, oh well, you don't know what you got until you, you these this breed of dog gets two years old. I'm not waiting two years, buddy. However, <laughs> you have to give that pup time to shine. Yet you have to let him figure it out on his own a little bit. And if you don't give him the opportunity, you can't hold him accountable. So, so you say keep, keep, and yep, until I say keep until too. you get some more data. You know, yep, keep keep with more experience and honest, real experience under its belt. That's kind of what I was thinking. A little young for what it's worth. I mean, if this was a sighthound, I would say just nine months is very young. Keep let him run, let him hunt, get more data exactly, and keep pushing. So that was a good one. Here's another one. This one, this one's a little tougher. I actually thought about my answer for this one, so I'm going to put you right on the spot. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. I raised a litter of two. I I ugh, can't read. I raised a litter of two gyps. One sister is incredible. She can go out and tree her own game 
at one, sorry, typos, one and a half years old. She is doing amazing. However, the other sister tends to kind of be a me too dog, be a pack dog and just hang out in the, in the group in general. I lost my best dog to a car accident and now I plan, my planned breeding has fallen through. Both of them come from stellar bloodlines. Would you consider breeding the other female, the one who is just average, based on her bloodline alone to the best male I could find? Or do I need to start from scratch and go and spend the next few years looking for another excellent bloodline and a high-performing female for an excellent stud dog? Or do you think I can go back to the good blood and have a good percentage of good puppies in this next litter? Thanks All right. for your response. I got I got some opinions on that, but I, I got one question first. Because he said he had two sisters, right? Yeah. And one of them was starting and doing everything. Yeah, one was good, one was bad. Well, not bad. One was good, one was average, it sounds like. But he didn't consider breeding the good one. Oh, she died. She died. Oh, she died. died. Because I said he lost her in a car accident. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, I'm understanding. So Um, he lost, she died in a car, in a car, looks, sounds like probably got hit by a car, right? On on a track. Yeah. Yeah. And so he lost her. And now he's saying, can I breed the sister? Because mm-hmm. the blood is there, they have a great bloodline apparently, and other I, I'm assuming other dogs in the litter are hunting good because the bloodline is good. Mm-hmm. But would you breed that dog, Chad? Keep or call? It it all depends on one. We'll start with one. What are your circumstances? What what can you do? You know, if you have some some expendable money, then yeah, go 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 buy something. You know, but if you if you don't quite, you know, and you, you got to make ends meet and you got to, you got to have fun with your dogs and everything like that. I would test that dog a little more. This kind of, it goes back to what we just got done talking about. You know, if that dog was just going along cause it could rely on its sister, then it's not going to do what it doesn't need to do. Yeah, they're a year and a half. So yeah. they're young still. Yeah, they, they are. But even like, I want to know what a dog is before that. Personally, if I'm going to keep him, I would have already put him in a situation where it has to kind of shine on its own you know get it away from the good oh that's really hard when you see a track you're excited about i want to grab my best dog throw it on it and get after it you know but like if you're doing right by your dogs you're gonna you're gonna put that best dog in the truck a little bit and let those young ones shine let them figure it out let them you know because if you don't do that they won't become great dogs in Mm -hmm. my in chad's opinion you will never get a great dog unless you give it time to be the only dog out there and that's when they become a great dog not the only one but the best dog on the ground at the time so i i personally if i didn't have means to just go you know get some some high-end stuff i would hunt that dog a little bit more just to see let, let, maybe maybe it is good maybe it's just as great as her sister and now that she's out of the picture she'll show you that so mm. try that for once but if you try that and she does not become as good as her sister, a great dog, again, air quotes here, then no, I would not breed it. I am not a paper breeder. I am not a paper breeder. I am not, I'm not, I am not. I think I think lines are important, and then that's where you start. But if if that dog isn't good, it's papers or it's bloodline isn't good enough. Don't breed it. No, no. Breeding is so hard, even if you do everything right. Everybody likes to think it's easy. Oh, that's a good dog. That's a good dog. Let's put them together. And, and then, you know, you get whatever. Breeding's so hard, but I like to breed the best I can get my stinking fingers on to the best I can get my fingers on. And that removes, to me, <laughs> that removes as much of the confusion and complications as absolutely possible. You know, yeah. and if you're just going, oh, well, this dog's sister and other were good, you know, I, that's you're yeah. you're you're gonna you're gonna get yourself in trouble you know so it's too easy to just find another one you know 
Um, but like I said, don't cut her out yet. Give her time to shine. Maybe she's a good one on her own. So, yeah, I feel like I'm really, I'm, it's so funny in the Houndsman XP crew. I'm definitely the, the newest guy on the scene. Like I, you guys are freaking super, super experienced and, and been doing this for decades. And so I'm feeling good that the answer I came up with on my own was similar to what you and Chris would say, you know, but I, I agree with you fully. I do not believe in quote unquote bloodlines. Mm -hmm. I want to see, I was taught Dean Bohannon told me the best dog in the kennel to the best dog in the kennel. Mm -hmm. Never forget good mouth. If this was in a sighthound scenario, you know, good mouth is key. I don't want a dog chases a rabbit. I want a dog that kills a rabbit. You know what I mean? So, you know, anyway, so I, I don't care if the sister was, is, is, amazing the one that died and the other one give it a time but if she doesn't come around no unfortunately i think i would wait too so i choose call uh can uh i choose uh situationally call lean towards call quote unquote and uh say no i would just look for a better female there's many many badass females in the in the block you know that's right all right so i i got one then this, this is kind of funny i had a dog um named black he was a plot hound cross with like some Catahoula rolling around in there. You know, he's a hog dog. He was really good. Nice dog. Um, cold nose as far as hog dogs go. And uh, would push a track, could bay one on his own. It was pretty big, helped catch, stayed away from the front, would pull a back leg out. Did a lot of things that I liked, you know. Um, was one of my best dogs. But he, at some point in his life, this weird be- behavior developed where he would just back his butt up to his water bucket and crap in it <laughs> in his water bucket like we dogs that'll like pee in a bucket and there's ways of getting around that but i got to the point where like i would push his doghouse up against the wall of the kennel so that like he had to like slide <laughs> in between the wall and his doghouse i i swear to god seth he would walk up to it turn around i watched him do it shimmy and, and he would he would back up like beep 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 <laughs> beep like straight back drape his tail over top of the water bucket and drop the <laughs> in there sometimes he'd do it what? twice a day sometimes he did it day one time and it drove me absolutely crazy so before i ask the before we get to the question you get you got any questions about this before no you, i got all the supporting info i need keep her cold buddy what do you got i say keep Put two water bowls in there and keep. You don't get a dang fine dog like that any day. I say keep. Tootsie rolls in the food or in the water, whatever. Put another <laughs> put a put another water bowl in there and you keep hunting black. You keep hunting him. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's funny. What'd you do? What'd you do? Uh, you call. <laughs> you call. I did. That's. I did. He had right. to go, man. He had to what go. What would you I do, Houndsman XP community? I, keep her call. Keep her call. I want to hear I, it in the comments. I even got a set of like uh, uh, cutters and cut a hole in his kennel and put his water bucket on the outside of his kennel. <laughs> okay? So I clipped it to the outside. So in order to drink, he put his head through a hole. It wasn't tight. You know, it was a normal you know, size of his head. And he'd stick his head through and drink. And he still did it. He pressed his butt up against the kennel and put <laughs> the hole into his water bucket. After that, I, I I had to let him go, man. I had to let him go. I had to let him go. And there was somebody yeah. that like fell on hard times and was trying to get their pack back together again. I was like, I'll oh, take God. that dog. Oh, 
Uh, just hey, you fair, send him my I... way. I'll, I'll, I don't care, man. He can have his chocolate water. All right, <laughs> he can have. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was horrible. Oh, Pouring it out awesome. and get on your boots. Anyway, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Thanks, Chad. That's all I got for now. Um, I got a, I got a wrestling match evolving in my living room right now. But, um, <laughs> hey, as always, buddy, I um, thank you for joining me here and. uh you know, I, I, if there's anything you need to add now is a good time, brother. No, I, I think we, I think we wrapped up. This is a nice one. I, uh, I, I dig this. Yeah, one. me too. I, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. You guys, this is a very sincere thing. Check out freedom hunters. You guys, freedomhunters.org. They're putting out American and Canadian veterans in the field to experience new things. You guys, many of the hunters there, it was their first time hunting ever. And all of them, their first time behind dogs. So, check them out you guys you can host your own freedom hunters events or if you're a veteran consider joining one and uh it was a jim shockey classic you guys jim shockey puts on a golf tournament that raises money for these events so um if you're a golfer go check it out you're helping a great cause and uh thank you jim shockey um for just being an all-around awesome guy for our lifestyle and yeah I, I couldn't go check out our patreon page you guys all the bonus material from canada is there it's one thing to hear my stories but to uh have them combined with all the pictures and videos i think it enhances the experience um and then i'll make sure to get some uh um more bonus content we have some um behind the scenes stuff with me and chris hxp happenings that's gonna be news and, and behind the scenes for houndsman xp itself nice so um instead of having the pre-roll up front i just figured i'll end up with all the stuff I need to tell you guys. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you all there at the Patreon page and to all our sponsors. Thank you so much for supporting us at Houndsman XP and a huge shout out to all you listeners. This is why we do it and uh, we love it and stay tuned. You guys, we're going to be on the road. There's going to be a lot of cool content coming up. HXP is on the road. We're always on the road and uh, we're going to make some cool stuff happen coming up very soon. So stay tuned. Chad, Thanks. why don't you wrap us up, brother? <laughs> all right brother let's uh let's hunt them hard and treat them like heroes there it is catch you all next month